0: Heading into week 14 of the NFL season, we have officially reached the point where playoff scenarios matter. What game should Seahawks fans be watching this weekend, aside from Seattle hosting the Carolina Panthers? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on our latest episode of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your lead host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for Matchup Wednesday, my co host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're in Montana, Idaho, across the country in New York, or on the other side of the world in Japan. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen. Five days a week, we greatly appreciate it. We got a jam-packed episode coming your way, as always. Diving into six key matchups: three on offense for the Seahawks, three on defense as well. With the Carolina Panthers set to come to town, we're going to be taking a deep dive analysis into those six matchups. And as Jim Morris Senior would love to say, we're going to be talking playoffs, playoffs, playoff scenarios here, heading into Week 14 for the Seahawks and other teams in the NFC. It's a loaded episode, and it's coming your way. By Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This time a year ago, the Seahawks were four and eight, and even though they weren't eliminated from the playoffs, they basically were eliminated. They were on the cusp of being out of the playoff race completely much different vibes to the surprise of many this time of year in 2022 with the Seahawks coming off a big win over the Rams now 7 and 5 sitting in the 7th seed in the NFC if the playoffs started today they would be in the wild card round traveling to Minnesota to face the Vikings certainly a much different energy in the Pacific Northwest this December than last December Rob and going into this weekend Obviously, everybody's going to be watching to see the Seahawks play the Panthers looking for that eighth win of the season, but they're also going to be scoreboard watching, looking forward to see what other games impact Seattle's playoff chances.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of fun matchups this week that really are going to impact Seattle's matchups. And as you said, Corb, I mean, the the biggest thing is obviously Seattle has to emerge from this game with the victory. But, you know, just kind of looking around at the rest of the NFL landscape here, and and there are a couple of really big matchups. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be heading over to San Francisco. You know that that's going to be a big game now. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo out, uh, you know, and, and so so just to kind of see if Tampa Bay and Tom Brady coming off of their, uh, you know, pretty impressive victory here's a couple of days ago, if they're going to be able to continue their hot streak. Obviously, Tampa Bay has the tiebreaker over Seattle due to their victory, but the New York Giants do not have that tiebreaker uh, over Seattle. Of course, the Seahawks beat the Giants weeks ago, and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be heading to New York. So in, in terms of the NFC, these are two of the games that Seahawks fans really should be paying
0: attention to. And I also think the game going on in Detroit, the Lions are kind of in the peripheral right now, but they have been one of the hotter teams in the NFC. They've won four of their last five games They're playing pretty darn good football. Their defense is playing better. They've got the Minnesota Vikings coming to town. The Vikings are trying to stay within striking distance of the Eagles for the number one seed. They do lose the tiebreaker there. So it's getting to be late for them to make that push. But the Lions need every win they can get. If Detroit wins that game, they move to six and seven. They're right on the doorstep of getting into the wild card round. And so that is a game Seahawks fans should be watching closely as well. You look at the playoff scenarios, and you and I usually try to wait till there's five or six weeks left in the season to really take scenarios seriously. Because earlier than that, there's so many different dominoes that can fall. But we're getting late enough in the season now that things are really coming together and the Seahawks currently have a 79% chance of making the playoffs according to our friends at 538 that would jump up to 88% if they beat the Panthers and best case scenario if the 49ers Giants and Lions all lose this weekend which could happen they're all facing tough teams this weekend the Seahawks would jump up to 92% they wouldn't quite clinch but they'd be very close to earning a playoff spot in the NFC If they win and the 49ers, Giants, and Lions all win as well, they're going to be staying roughly the same at 80% chance. Still a very good shot to get in, but those other teams would be hanging around with them, notably the Giants and Lions in the wildcard race. And if the Seahawks lose this game, it plunges to 58% and it could drop as low as 45% of the 49ers, Giants, and Lions all win. So there are some big stakes here. This is absolutely a must-win home game for the Seahawks. You can't lose two straight at Lumen Field when you were in the thick of a playoff race against a team that's coming in at 4-8. and eight. The Raiders were 3-7 and seven a few weeks ago, came in and won. You can't have that happen twice in a three-week span. So this is absolutely a must-win for the Seahawks. And if they get the job done against a very improved Panthers team compared to early in the season – they get that victory. They're going to be that much closer to itching out, etching out a playoff spot in the NFC.
1: Yeah, and that to me is the funnest thing about this, is the fact that you are scoreboard watching a little bit. I mean, you know, the Seahawks should be able to handle business against Carolina. Um, you know, we know that the way that they, these games go, that so often we can just focus in on the matchups. But really, when it comes down to, it feels like in, you know, I don't know, eight out of ten games, uh, you know, is that who is the better Quarterback, and certainly the Seahawks have the better quarterback right now with, with Geno Smith going up against Sam Darnold, and and I think that if you start looking at the other matchups that we just talked about, um, you know who has the better quarterback you know, in some of those other games that we just discussed. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers, again, are playing really good football. They've been beating basically everybody, but now they got Brock Purdy rather than Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, the the whole Daniel Jones conversation compared to Jalen Hurts. I mean, again, you you really have to look at who is playing at these different positions, different, uh, excuse me, different teams and and how their quarterbacks match up. And that, to me, is one of the more exciting things about – if Seattle is able to continue to win games, if they are able to beat the 49ers, what, eight games or eight days from now when they are hosting San Francisco, and the possibility of hosting a playoff game rather than going on the road, the way it stands right now, it looks like Seattle would be going on the road to the Minnesota Vikings. And you know that that is a, a very different team with the, how explosive their offense is at this point. This really is getting to that point where. Where you have to win just about every possible game that you can. And you have to be kind of keeping an eye on the scoreboard because there's a lot of games that are going to be having some trickle down effects when it comes to playoff seating.
0: As I mentioned, you're playing at home. You get four home games in the final five games. Seattle has already lost twice at home. You can't slip up in these remaining home games. Maybe you lose one of those contests, but you prefer it's not the one when San Francisco comes to town next Thursday, They've got the schedule shaping up favorably for them because you've got this home game against the Panthers. You play The Jets are obviously a much improved team, but they've still got quarterback questions. That game is coming up end of this month, and then the Rams, a rematch. Baker Mayfield could make them very interesting in week 18, and that's not something we were anticipating going into that rematch after Sunday's win in Los Angeles. But still, aside from that road game against the Chiefs and the home contest against the 49ers, the Seahawks have a fairly favorable schedule here. Meanwhile, the 49ers, you got to play Tampa Bay and Tom Brady with a third-string quarterback then at Seattle. The Commanders, that is not an easy game now at this point. The Commanders have seven wins this season, a really tough defense, and they're playing better on offense. We saw how good the Raiders are, and they got to play at Las Vegas. And the Cardinals in Week 18, is kind of like the Rams. That could be a game that ends up being an NFC West trap game. For the San Francisco 49ers, because Arizona still has a lot of talent. They still got Kyler Murray under center. Probably not going to be playing for anything at that point, but a team like that can be really dangerous in the final week, just as the Rams could be with Baker Mayfield under center. So really curious to see how these next five weeks play out, but you got to go one week at a time. And when you're in a playoff race this late in the season, you do start to look at other games, scoreboard watching. I don't care what Pete Carroll says. They're watching scoreboards. They're seeing what is going on around the league main focus is taking care of business themselves but they also want to see what's happening with other teams that are battling for those same playoff spots that they currently are and they're hoping the Giants Lions and most notably the 49ers slip up this next weekend and they get a second straight win against the Panthers speaking of that matchup we got a big game coming up on Sunday now though the Panthers are four and eight they have gone three and four under interim coach Steve Wilkes they're playing much better football particularly on the defensive side of the football and there are some exciting matchups on both sides of the ball that we need to break down today. We're going to look at the Seahawks on offense going up against the Panthers on defense up next here on Matchup Wednesday on Locked on Seahawks. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. Across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and soon in Australia, book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch those boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Excited as always to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, regardless where you're listening from for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on the Odyssey app as well as YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts we got an exciting game coming up on Sunday at Lumen Field. The Seahawks coming in with a 7-5 and record, looking to stay with the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West. And the Carolina Panthers, who even though they're four games under five they they're only two games behind Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They have another game against the Buccaneers coming up later this season. So they very much are alive in the NFC South race right now. So there's a lot on the line for both of these teams. Steve Wilkes is trying to earn a full-time head coaching job as well. So Carolina is not going to fold. They're playing better football, particularly on defense. So, Rob, let's look at some matchups here. Geno Smith, DK Metcalf and company on offense going up against this stingy Carolina defense. What's the first matchup that jumps out to you going into this game?
1: Well, I think always you have to focus in on the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's where Seattle has been beaten so many times, uh, you know, and and so I I really think that it comes down to Carolina's pass rush against Seattle's rookie tackles. We talked about, in yesterday's show. Uh, You know, Charles Cross, as dynamic as he is, the sweet feet that he possesses, Michael Hoyt, uh, you know, a a former defensive tackle who slid outside to outside linebacker role for the Rams, was able to beat Charles Cross with a couple of different sacks, and he certainly is not the athlete that Brian Burns is. So to me, that's where you got to start this conversation is Charles Cross against Brian Burns, uh, Abraham Lucas against Utur Gross Matos, Carolina Panthers have a pretty good pass rush. They got some very good play in the secondary as well. They've only given up, Corbin, 15 touchdowns through the air all season long. They've given up 13 touchdowns on the ground. So that really kind of gives you an idea of just how difficult it is to pass the ball effectively against the Carolina Panthers. And before you even have a conversation about Seattle's wide receivers against Carolina's defensive backs, I think you have to talk about protecting Geno Smith, because if he isn't protected, this game could fall apart very quickly.
0: Yeah, and you look at Brian Burns' stats this year, just by himself, 10 sacks, 53 pressures near the top of the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. He has been a monster off the edge. He had nine sacks in each of the past two seasons. He has truly emerged as one of the elite pass rushers in the NFL. He's not going to beat you often with power. He'll occasionally catch you off guard doing speed to power because you're not expecting it, and he can knock a tackle backward. But that's not his game. But he has gotten much better with his hand technique, and you emphasized this yesterday. That is where Charles Cross in particular – has to grow the most, the ability to use his hands and play with heavy hands. You have to do that against Brian Burns. He's got the athleticism cross does, and so does Lucas, to be able to handle those speed rush combos. But can you handle the handwork coming off of it? Because Brian Burns now is very proficient at that. He is a hand technician to go with his elite athleticism. That could make him a real problem in this game. And Yitor Gross Matos, the stats aren't necessarily there but he's had more quarterback pressures recently, and he's a little different style. He can beat you with power. He's got more of that power football in him, and he's a better run defender, and they've got a couple other guys along the edge can rotate in as well. This is a matchup that's going to be tough for the tackles for the Seahawks, particularly against Burns. If Burns has a big game, that could be the difference between Seattle winning and Seattle losing. He's that kind of player. He can be a game wrecker. You mentioned the guys on the outside, and I know the trenches are where you win games, but... When you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you got to talk about them, especially in a matchup like this. Jalen Ramsey is the bigger name, looking back at last week's game. But Ramsey has been kind of an ordinary corner this year. In fact, he's given up more touchdowns than any corner in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. So he has not been the same player this year. You can't say that for J.C. Horn, the second-year player out of South Carolina. He has been elite this season. You look at the way he's played in his second season. He missed most of last year with an injury. He has been utterly dominant for the Carolina Panthers on defense. 38.3 passer rating against, no touchdowns, two picks, 8.1 yards per catch. But where the Seahawks have an advantage in this game, they aren't going to have Dante Jackson, who's been on injured reserve. He's out for the rest of the season. That was their number two corner. They have a couple other corners they've been rotating in who are banged up. C.J. Henderson, who they traded for last year, a former top 10 pick, For the Jaguars, that trade has not worked out for them. He has been the polar opposite of J.C. Horn this season, passer rating against of 110. He's given up three touchdowns. He does have one pick, but opponents are completing almost 75% of their passes against him. He's struggled with tackling. That is the player that you can take advantage of when you have two elite receivers like D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. J.C. Horn can't cover both of them. The other corners on the Panthers roster right now as constructed – Feels like that is a vulnerability that Seattle can take advantage of as long as Geno Smith has time to throw, obviously.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's really what comes down to That's why we talked about that right off the bat is that, again, it's absolutely critical that Seattle protects Geno Smith and allows him to just, you know, play the role of precision that he has all season long. Um, That really has made him arguably the biggest story in all of the NFL this season and, and and JC Horn, for those of you who are watching on YouTube and you look at those statistics and you see, you know, only a couple of interceptions so far this season. But it, you know, Corbin, you, you said the biggest thing there is that he hasn't allowed a single touchdown all year long. And even CJ Henderson, who has struggled a little bit in coverage, certainly has given up some plays after the catch. Still, he's only allowed three touchdowns all season long. And as I mentioned a moment ago. I mean, Carolina through 13 games is all, excuse me, 12 games has only allowed 15 touchdowns through the air. So, again, this is a really talented secondary. And I just love the fact that instead of focusing too much, on what Carolina offers, you have to just kind of come back to the fact that the Seahawks have two of the most dynamic wide receivers in all of the NFL. Pete Carroll described them as yin and yang, and I think that's a really good way of describing just the the physical monster that is DK Metcalf, the smooth route runner, ultra-reliable hands that is Tyler Lockett. Uh, I I really think that Seattle matches up pretty well against Carolina's cornerbacks. I I think it's going to be fun. We we talked about the popcorn, get your popcorn ready, kind of a matchup between DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey a week ago. I want to see the same kind of thing here with DK Metcalf and JC Horn on the outside for Carolina. And then, again, I think that exactly the type of player that CJ Henderson has struggled with, going all the way back to his days at Florida and Jacksonville as well, the the club that selected him with that top 10 pick, as you referenced a couple of moments ago, Tyler Lockett has that type of agility and I would not be surprised at all. We aren't going to talk too much about Carolina's safeties. They got some pretty good ones, but at the same time, I also think, again, this is a game that Seattle should be looking to try to get their tight ends involved because it's not just the corners that are potentially vulnerable to Geno Smith's precision.
0: If there's an area where this Panthers defense can be vulnerable and they've shown it throughout the season, it's their run defense. And that is a hot topic for this game because if the Seahawks are healthy and they've got their full assortment of running backs, that's probably a significant advantage for the Seahawks coming into this football game. And the interior for the Panthers, even with Derek Brown, a former top 10 pick, they have had their issues stopping the run this season. But the Seahawks and our YouTube listeners are going to laugh hysterically seeing this because... I used to be a teacher and I can't even put the right version of by on our graphic here, but it's running back by committee for the Seahawks. We don't know who is going to be healthy in this game. Is it going to be Ken Walker? The third, is it going to be DJ Dallas? They did get Travis Homer back for today's practice. So you're going to have Travis Homer potentially available, but Tony Jones Jr. Right now is the only certainty you have. You've got Wayne Gallman now in the practice squad do they have the guys to be able to take advantage of the fact that Carolina, their linebackers have been solid. Shaq Thompson's having another decent season. Frankie Luvu has had a really good year, especially against the run. He's got four sacks. They blitzed him some, but there still have been some issues with missed tackles. Louvu's missing almost 20% of his tackle attempts this year, according to Pro Football Focus. So if you've got the running backs there, this is a defense that has given up almost as many touchdowns on the ground as through the air. They're in the middle of the pack for yard, yards allowed rushing this season. That is how you beat this Carolina defense, and that can open some things up for your passing game. I just don't know the Seahawks are going to have the guys to be able to do it out of the backfield right now because we don't know who's going to play.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you'd love to have Ken Walker in the third. I mean, because K9 has that breakaway speed that, that frankly, very few running backs in the NFL possess. But as I mentioned yesterday, I, I really think that Seattle should be okay if Tony Jones Jr. is the primary ball carrier in this game, just because of the size and physicality that he offers, as you mentioned with Luvu, I mean, Luvu going back to his days at Washington state and i I followed his NFL career he initially was with the New York jets. He's a thumper, but at the same time, he's a little bit stiff. He is a little bit of a, you know, a guy who will leave his feet and try to provide that big hit. And therefore, if you have a little bit of ladder agility, which, again, Kenneth Walker III has that in spades. I mean, he could be absolutely dynamic in this matchup. He'd be really excited about how well the Seattle might be able to exploit Carolina's run defense if they had a guy that sweet of feet, that, that uh, agile in space that that's not really tony jones game that might be why the seattle may look to use darwin thompson who was on their practice squad at this point it remains to be seen who seattle might be able to bring up wayne gallman has a little bit of that agility um you know so i'm really curious to see who seattle is going to use at that running back position But again, I do feel confident that the Carolina Panthers, Luvu is the big hitter. Shaq Thompson is a little bit undersized, excuse me, former safety. Corey Littleton, I mean, he was 220 pounds when he left the University of Washington. He hasn't gotten a lot bigger or more physical since. This is a team that if you continue to run the rock on Carolina, you can wear them down. And so again, I I think that this is going to be a fascinating matchup because I'll I'll say this, Corbin. I think whatever team runs the ball the most is going to be the one that emerges with the victory. And I think that Seattle has the obvious advantage, playing at home, and their scouts, their their scouting department, and basically all of their players should have a little bit greater familiarity with some of these guys who have been playing the Pacific Northwest throughout the college careers, and knowing that they just frankly lack the sand to to be able to hold up physically as long as you can keep running the football on them and again keeping geno smith upright so he can complete some of those passes over the top to keep those linebackers and those safeties from crashing and of course it
0: always boils down to the way the interior offensive line is going to play when you're talking about running backs and so if seattle can establish that line of scrimmage that is going to give them a better chance even if they're playing a third or fourth string back to find some success on the ground this feels like a game they're going to have to have some balance because of the pass rush that the Panthers have. If you're just going back and throwing the ball 50 times, that probably isn't going to bode well, given the strengths of this Panthers defense. Up next, we're going to flip the script to the Panthers on offense. Sam Darnold and company, they're coming off a big win over the Broncos before their bye week. They're going to be fresh and healthy. There's plenty of weapons at Sam Darnold's disposal. We're going to look at the Panthers on offense against the Seahawks on defense. Coming up next year on Matchup Wednesday. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith, joined by my co-host Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts All right, continuing matchup Wednesday here. We just looked at the Seahawks on offense. Let's flip the script now. Seahawks on defense. It's been a bit of a struggle the last few games, particularly defending the run, but they only allowed one touchdown the final eight drives for the Rams on Sunday. They were able to make some adjustments. Now they're playing a Panthers offense statistically that is near the bottom of the league in nearly everything, but one thing that they have been able to get going under Steve Wilkes that they didn't have working for them early in the season, and it's without Christian McCaffrey, who's now in San Francisco, they have been able to get that run game rolling. And Rob, I think that that is the clear number one matchup to look at in this game because the Panthers aren't a team that are going to sling it all over the place, throwing the football, but uh, Deontay Foreman has been as good as any running back in football since about week seven.
1: Well, I think this is the logical start to spot to start because you look at Deontay Foreman and he is just truly a massive back who runs with great physicality. You look at 563 rushing yards, Corbin. I mean, if you extrapolate that over the entire season, we're talking about a back who has you know 1,200 yards. And we know that that is the way, that is the recipe that every team has been using to be effective against the Seahawks. So sure, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, they've got to be able to make those tackles but seattle has to be able to hold up the line of scrimmage as well
0: yeah i think when you look at this matchup what makes it not necessarily a good omen for the seahawks defense where we've really seen them struggle the most has been against powerful backs in gap heavy schemes and most of foreman's damage has been with gap schemes Over 70% of his runs have been gap schemes. So they're going to be running power. They're going to be running counter. They're going to get downhill with lead dives. The Panthers are going to really try to get downhill with their run game. And Foreman is a difficult guy to bring down, too. He's fourth in the NFL since week seven in yards after contact. He's 11th in missed tackles forced during that span even though there are like 20 other qualified backs that have more carries than him in that span. So we're talking about a back that not only has been productive, the way that he's done it, getting downhill, getting a bunch of yardage after contact, breaking and forcing a lot of missed tackles, That is not a good recipe against the Seahawks defense, the way that they have struggled this year. And yet there have been some games where they've been able to step up like the Giants game in week eight, where they really could bottle up the run game because they weren't overly concerned about Daniel Jones beating them. They probably are going to approach this game similarly against Sam Darnold, a quarterback who has not been able to find consistency in the NFL with the Jets or the Panthers put the ball into his hands, but that's going to be easier said than done because Foreman has been really good. And this is a very underrated offensive line across the board in particular with pass protection. And that leads me to our second matchup here. When we look at the Seahawks and the Panthers, Their tackle's going up against Seattle's edge rushers. They've got their first-round pick, Aquanu, who was the only player, you mentioned, that the Seahawks had a higher grade on at the tackle position than Charles Cross. If he would have fallen to them, they would have picked him instead of Cross. He's allowed only 17 pressures this season, three sacks, three penalties, so he hasn't been penalized very often. Aquanu has been one of the best young tackles in football this year. Just 17 pressures allowed, three sacks, and only three penalties. And on the other side, Taylor Moton has been one of the best tackles in the NFL this year. He's allowed less than 20 pressures, fewer sacks than what Aquanu has. This team is ranked fourth in pass-blocking grade on Pro Football Focus for a reason. These tackles have been fantastic and have done a really good job keeping pass rushers away from the quarterback. So the Seahawks have to hope they can find a way to get Cheninuosu, Daryl Taylor, Bruce Irvin, and Boy Mafe getting after the quarterback, build some momentum off this last game. Sam Darnold has had a lot of trouble when he's been pressured in the NFL more than most quarterbacks. So it's going to be crucial to get pressure, but that is going to be difficult, especially on the outside, because these are two really athletic, gifted. Proficient hand technicians at the tackle position that have done a great job protecting the 17 quarterbacks that have played for the Panthers this year.
1: Corbin gets an excellent point about the 17 quarterbacks for the Carolina Panthers uh, you know and, and that's one of the fortunate things from a Seattle perspective is that Sam Darnold, Carolina's current quarterback certainly does not have the mobility that Baker Mayfield that PJ Walker Carolina's other quarterback or that John Wolford of the Los Angeles Rams this past week that n- any of them possess so I do think that it is going to be a focus on trying to stop Deontay Foreman and And you mentioned a great deal of impressive statistics for the Carolina Panthers' two young offensive tackles. I'll throw out another statistic for you, 330 pounds. That's exactly what both those two offensive tackles on average weigh, And Seattle is so much lighter at the point of attack that while that is going to be a concern in terms of run defense, it should give them a huge advantage in terms of getting off the football. So if the 12s are as loud as they should be during a playoff push, then a quarterback like Sam Darnold, who has struggled under pressure, as you mentioned, Seattle's pass rush should be able to create some issues for him, perhaps create some of the turnovers that have kept the Seahawks defensive alive all season long.
0: Yeah. And Aquanu, the one thing we talked about in the pre-draft process, this guy is a much more developed proficient run blocker than what Charles Cross was coming into the league. He is nasty. He plays with an edge. He can knock people off the line of scrimmage and he played an offense that ran the football a lot more than what Cross and his team at Mississippi State did. And so they will be able to get that run game going with these tackles as well. They are two really underrated tackles, particularly Moton. He doesn't get a lot of attention, but that is the guy that is really solid in all areas of the game. Seahawks pass rushers are going to have to worry about that. Not just when they're trying to get after Sam Darnold, but also setting the edge, which has been an area of inconsistency for this defense. Now, Last but not least, let's get to the skill positions. Now, Carolina, they might not have any of the big-name star receivers like they used to have with Steve Smith back in the day, but DJ Moore is still one of the more underappreciated receivers. Stats-wise, this year has been a little tougher for him because of the quarterback musical chairs that the Panthers have been playing. He's still got over 600 receiving yards and four touchdowns, though. He's a guy that can win over the top. He had a 50-yard catch against Patrick Sertan a couple weeks ago, and we know how good Patrick Sertan is, and so – For Tariq Woolen, Mike Jackson, Trey Brown, Kobe Bryant, whoever's playing in the secondary, whoever's across from DJ Moore, he is a player that's got game-breaking ability. And another name I think we need to throw out here, we're talking about these receivers – We got to look at Terrence Marshall who played at LSU and he was kind of the second fiddle on that national championship a few years back to Jamar Chase. He's not quite the same player as Chase, but this is still a guy that's averaging almost 19 yards per reception when he's been healthy this year. He's missed a few games due to injury, but he's another guy that can take the top off a defense. He can create after the catch. And you've also got LaVishka Chennault in the slot who they acquired from the Jacksonville Jaguars in the preseason He also can do some damage after the catch from the slot. He's been pretty quiet this year, but certainly a guy that can generate big plays from time to time. So there are some talented players the Seahawks corners are going to have to worry about even if the quarterback situation has not been ideal for Carolina this year.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons, again, I think the Carolina Panthers are an awfully spooky team is just because you know that Seattle is going to have to try to make their top priority slowing down Deontay Foreman. I mean, that, that has just really been the kryptonite for the Seahawks defense here recently is they just have been giving up all kinds of yards to just about everybody, and Carolina, that's their MO is they want to run the football. So do you drop that extra safety down Um, to be able to try to create a little bit more run support and then have your entire cornerbacks uh, group be going one-on-one against a bunch of receivers. And DJ Moore, a 4-4 guy. Terrence Murphy, a 4-3 guy. LaVisca Chennault is not a 4-3 or 4-4. He probably ran in the high four fives to low 4-6s. But at the same time, he's got size, he's got physicality. And you put him up against Kobe Bryant, presumably Seattle's starter at that nickel position. That is one of the scarier matchups I've seen for Seattle in terms of trying to cover slot receivers all year long. I know LaVisca Chanel doesn't have great numbers. I know that uh, Sam Darnold doesn't have great numbers, but this matchup spooks, spooks me a little bit. Again, I think it is absolutely critical that the 12s come in loud and strong um, because I do think that this is a Carolina Panthers team that could push Seattle's playoff chances that much lower. And so, again, it's going to be critical to get pass rush. It's going to be critical to get some turnovers in this game. That's something that the Carolina Panthers have struggled with all season long. The Seahawks have to continue that season-long struggle for the Panthers if they want to emerge with the win
0: absolutely no question about it and if you can find a way to get some quick turnovers Sam Darnold has been a pretty giving quarterback in his NFL career especially if there's pressure on him he will unload the ball into double and triple coverage he's got some Brett Favre gunslinger in him without the touchdown results obviously that Brett Favre had in his NFL career he will be very giving with turnovers if you create pressure on him and so front of the defense going to the back you got to marry those two in this game Get that run game shut down. If you can do those things, this is a team that you should be able to beat. But, again, you can't take any opponent lightly. And there are some things about this Panthers team with improved coaching and better morale that make them a dangerous customer coming into Week 14. Coming up tomorrow, I'm going to be joining Julian Council Locked On Panthers. We're going to continue diving into this upcoming matchup between the Seahawks and the Panthers. You won't want to miss it. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Make sure not to miss tomorrow's Crossover Thursday special. A lot of fun insight coming from Carolina as we go into this Week 14 game. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.